0: We get it. You want to acquire the cars consumers want. You want top dollar for every one of those sales. Carfax can help with that. Only Carfax has the most accident info, damage info, and service info. Critical information you need to acquire the right cars. The info you need to provide transparency and build trust with your customers. No one has as much accident, damage, and service info as Carfax. Go to CarfaxOnline.com to make sure you have access to the most info out there.
1: Welcome to Used Car News Podcast. Used Car News is your top source for fast and reliable news that car dealers can rely on for this evolving industry. Here are this month's top stories. UAW launches unprecedented strike against big three automakers. New auto prices remain above $48,000. Lending Club chooses Santander to service auto loans.
2: Hello, everyone. Uh, My name is Jeffrey Bellant. I'm managing editor of Used Car News. And this is the Used Car News Podcast. We do have a great guest today, Mr. Dan Kennedy. How are you doing, Dan? I'm doing well. And you, Jeff? Excellent. Excellent. For those of you in the remarketing or in the auction or in the even just the automotive industry, you know that name. Dan Kennedy has been in the industry over 40 years. He was 30 years, as you might remember him, in remarketing, manager of remarketing for General Motors and really did it all, was everywhere at all the conferences and doing all the remarketing stuff that you're familiar with. Dan, you started out for about a decade at GM doing other things. So we want to ask you what you were doing in those first 10 years. And then we're going to get on because we will close out going to Dan's current role because after those 40 years at GM, he is Senior Vice President of Business Development for CT Services. So we'll get into that a little bit later. But in terms of that opening, that first 10 years that you were in GM, what were you doing?
3: I started on the finance staff at GM, basically in their um, accounts payable for the um, corporate finance staff, and then uh, left there and went down to a group called Dealer Equipment, where we were selling equipment to the various dealers around the country, uh, body shop, mechanical, uh, the, the service area, even upfront type of equipment. From there, I left and uh, went over to one of our subsidiaries, EDS, Oh, yeah. I spent uh, about 14 months with EDS. And at that point in time, I came back and uh, went to the marketing staff, which had responsibility for the auction, the GM auction and vehicle center. Okay. I was working uh, for a gentleman by the name Mike McHale.
2: Oh, we know that name. Yeah.
3: Yes, you do. <laughs> and uh, I worked for Mike oh, for a number of years till uh, Mike moved on. And then uh, spent the next 31 years in remarketing and various positions in remarketing. Okay, I'm sorry, you spent the next 31 years in remarketing. Okay. Yeah, in various positions. Okay, that's excellent. That's
2: really what I want to get to the meat of. Huh? I, I love that you actually were, yes, believe it or not, I had a temp job after I left school at, at EDS for a couple months. And that's our one connection there, Dan. You and I, you're a graduate of Central Michigan, right?
3: I am. Uh, I got my master's through
2: Central. My oh, I my well, master's, but I got my bachelor's at Central Michigan. So fire up chips there. Yes. <laughs> so anyways, it's the remarketing side that most people know you from. And what I liked is recently, this year, I, I attended uh, the Auction Academy um, in Detroit when I was here. And you had did one of the presentations. And from what I understand, you had asked to develop some material on remarketing 101 through the International Automotive Remarketers Alliance. And the presentation I thought was great. And you told a lot of stories in the days of your remarketing and how it was really hard to kind of get the new car side to understand there was a used car side. So I want to ask you a little bit to tell us how that developed, that idea uh, developed.
3: Yeah, sure. Thing. At IARA, they were talking about uh, their training and one of the shortfalls that they had or what they perceived to have. Was a little background in remarketing. So, over the years, we had put together, when I was at GM, we had put together this remarketing 101. And we did it really for the purposes of GM's a new car company. And most of your OEMs are going to fall into this category. They're a new car company that didn't really fully understand the link between new and used in the marketplace. So, what we did was we took and and put together a program in literally over seven years or so, maybe a little bit longer or so, I probably took six to 800 people out to either the Flint Auto Auction Mm -hmm. or Mannheim Detroit and took from analysts all the way up to senior leaders in GM, took them through Remarketing 101. And the idea was not to make them experts in remarketing, mm-hmm. but to help draw the link between new and used and make them aware that if something were to come up, we're a resource for them to, uh, to come talk to. Yes. So literally, they had to commit in four or five hours with us and, and they came out and they had to listen to me for a couple of hours, walk through a bunch of slides, and then we took them out in the sale lane. And introduced them to an auction. In a lot of cases, we put some of these folks up on the sale block and nice. actually let them sell some cars. First question that they always had was, what are they saying? But that was okay. <laughs> uh, and then uh, we, uh, after some time in the sale lane, literally, we had to pull them out of the sale lane and we took them on a tour of the facilities. The recon, the body, took them in, in to the PDR and, and what let them watch them do PDR and partial bumper. Matter of fact, some of them even got to push some of the dents out of some of the vehicles. So that is great. <laughs> so, but we made a bunch of believers out of the remarketing process. And in that process, we got to help them understand how what they do on the new car side impacts the used car side and vice versa. What we do on the used car side impacted their new cars.
2: So you, know, you tell, I've heard you tell a story about a brand manager you had who you brought them to the auction to help them see what happens. Can you tell that story?
3: Yeah, actually, we took uh, one of the brand managers up to the auction and normally we'll spend 20 minutes or so in the sale lane and then we we'll go do the tour. And she ended up wanting to, after 20 minutes, I tried to, to move move on to the next step and she says, no, no, I want to stand here. I want to see the cars coming down the sale lane. And we spent like two and a half hours in the sale lane. And I mean, she soaked it all in and it, it was great. She also got the chance to talk to dealers, dealers that were bidding on the vehicles that she was responsible for. And with that input, along with what she saw firsthand, she used some of that information to go back and make some changes in some of the option contenting on the vehicle, some of the color combinations and those types of things. All of those items impacted the residual values of the vehicles. And and really what we were trying to stress to everybody that went through there is our role as remarketing was to protect residual values. Right. When we're selling between 60,000 and 120,000 cars a month. Hold on, repeat that. Uh, 60,000 to 120,000 cars a month. Wow. They're in the physical auctions or Uh upstream. We set the markets. Yes. And all of that data is being used by the guidebooks and the financial institutions to develop residual values. So it was critically important to GM and frankly, to the industry to make sure that we had the highest values, the highest residual values for those vehicles. It was important to GM because lower residuals drive your competitiveness in the marketplace. It drives your incentive cost and those types of things. And frankly, as an owner, you want high residuals on your vehicle. So when you go to trade it in, you can get all the money for it and keep your payments lower. Yes. So, It's a win-win for everybody, and really for the dealers, if they can trade customers out and sell more new cars, they profit that way too. So it's really very healthy for the industry to have good, strong residuals. You know, and it's funny, you mentioned that when this lady
2: got in the lane, like you said, she's talking to dealers, and you mentioned before that she asked you, why is this car, which is a great question a person should ask, why is this car that to her looks the same as that car, Why are they selling differently? She did.
3: And we spent a lot of time explaining to her, look at the option content. Look at the wheels. Okay. Take a look at the color combinations. Look at the ones that are a little more popular in the marketplace. Uh They bring more money than the color combinations that aren't as popular. And Uh you've got the the data on the new car side. We've got the data on the used car side to help drive that um, for you. So we shared... A lot of the the used car data on the new car side, matter of fact, uh, we use that to help drive what the rental accounts put into the rental fleets, as far as make, model, all the way down to option contenting, color, and um, interior and exterior. It
2: is funny how rentals have changed from where they were just all vanilla type cars to where they're at now, you know?
3: Very much so, especially As they realized that they were going to have to try to start selling some of those as as the (laughs) programs moved from repurchase to to risk, they realized that they had to have, just like we realized, we had to have retail-ready type of vehicles, vehicles that the retail customers were looking for. It had the the right wheels and the, the right color combinations and the right option contenting. You couldn't do just the doggy dish wheel covers and crank windows. Those weren't acceptable in the marketplace.
2: Right. That's great. That's excellent. And now last part of that story, the brand manager, you told me after she had looked at this stuff, what did she do while she was there with you?
3: Oh, she got on the phone and uh, she called her team and she said, you know, tomorrow morning, my office, and we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about contenting. And what she recognized was it wasn't anything, even if she changed something the next morning, It's not going to change it in the marketplace for the next 12, 18, 24 months. Right. But this was exactly what we were trying to get across to those that were attending is take this information and use it to help drive positive change in how you handle the vehicles. And this was just one example that we had where it worked. I was going to say, when
2: when this is your idea... When you hear that lady make that phone call, you must be thinking like Steph Curry is when he drains a three in the championship game.
3: I went back and, and told the team, you know, because this was a truly a team effort and uh, told the team what came out of it. And it was one of those those moments where it's like, hey, we got the message across, received and accepted. Yes, yes. You know, and let me ask you, I, I should ask you at the beginning. How did
2: this start? I mean, how were you given the the ability or the authority to do this? Because this is, it sounds like it's a lot, not something that they'd done before. You know, and GM's a big company. I know the wheels turn slowly, so.
3: Well, actually, there's uh, uh, Jeff Heichel. If, yeah. Uh, I think yeah. you probably remember Jeff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we were sitting there uh, one day talking about some of the communication issues that the senior going upstairs on the new side where they truly didn't understand this, and and we sat there and said, you know, let's put together a remarketing 101 that we can get people to go out to. We'll take them on a tour, make it a field trip, okay? Get out of the office type of thing, make it kind of interesting and fun for them. And that's what we did. And as I said, they they spent a couple of hours having to look at slides and listen to my stories. And we brought people in from the auctions to talk. We tried to round this so that it kind of touched on all different aspects of what we do. Logistics, repairs, the reconditioning. Why do you do repairs on a vehicle? Why do you recondition that vehicle? Repairs, not all dealers had body shops. We can do it more cost effectively. We had the least evasive types of repairs, PDR, partial bumper repairs, things that the dealers didn't necessarily have that literally we could make the car when the dealer bought it, take it back and ready for sale to help with their throughput. Yes. It's the ideal that they'd come back and buy another one from us. Yes.
2: Yeah, that time, just the time alone and probably cost is better too. You know, that all uh, plays in the same thing. You talk about the importance of the auction. I know that the Auction Academy does a thing where they come to Detroit and the Ford factory River Rouge tour where they're making the f one hundred and fifty. And here are these people have been in the business. I mean, I cover the business, but these guys, you guys are in the business. And you see the auction, young auction guys, and they're they're eating it up. I mean, really, how often do you get a chance to see inside something like that? And when we started, we would get new employees that Used car news. We would do that. We would take a new employee, whether it's sales or report editorial, and we take them now to sale day. I mean, you can't do something like, if you do something like that, people get excited and they appreciate it
3: it's a new avenue. It's a new environment for a lot of the people. They had no idea that the auctions existed. You know, right. One of, the, one of the things that the a number of those that did know about the auction said, well, they only work one day a week. <laughs> said, yeah. Yep. And it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Okay. <laughs> right. So it's one of those where they never shut down. And yeah, it's like preparing for a show. Yes. Good you, You've got all of the work that you're doing All the rehearsals and everything that you're trying to do behind the scenes, and it's show day. That's the one day. So do the actors only work one day? No. No. The auctions don't work just one day. Okay. They're doing and and then we'd walk them through the process. The vehicles coming in, getting reported into inventory, being inspected, making determination as far as what repairs and things are gonna have to be done, what reconditioning, and flowing all those vehicles around the yard and the people left, when they, they got done with that session, they walked out going, I really had no idea what you folks did, but I have a much better understanding. And the idea was not to create experts, okay? Right. I think I said this, but to create an opportunity and awareness that if something came up that the new car wanted to involve to with the used car or see how it interfaced, They could pick the phone up and call. And we had a lot of those types of discussions after people went through these sessions.
2: That's great. And you compare it, that whole idea of understanding how the new and used relate to each other like a balloon filled with air.
3: Well, yeah, you know, frankly, take a balloon and push on it. Well, that air is going someplace, right? Right. And it's the same thing on on the new car side and the used car side. If the new car folks do something such as put an incentive on a model, okay, and there's a lot of that model sitting at the auction. What you've just done is you've impacted the, the resale value of those used vehicles, even if they're one-year-old or two-year-old right. vehicles. And what we tried to do is help them understand how the actions on the new side impacted the actions on the use side. And frankly, the other way around. If we had a lot of one model in inventory, if we pushed a lot of that into the marketplace, the impact on the new car sales was pretty noticeable. Oh, so it'd probably go down then, right? So Exactly. So (laughs) there was a balancing act that the new and the used had to to have. And then when you bring in like certified pre-owned.
2: Ah, yes. So
3: certified pre-owned was part of our organization. And, you know, we linked a lot of what we did with the certified to help drive activity on the certified side. So you have all of these little tentacles, if you will, that are reaching out, new, certified, used, and then all the behind-the-scene types of things that everybody was worried about and responsible for that we were trying to coordinate and make work together. Looking back, I mean, did you see...
2: Now, you Like you say, you're looking at stuff a year in advance as you're getting the idea of what this is all about. Looking back after 30, 40 years at GM, How do you think the business changed as a result of stuff like that?
3: Well, I think there was a much clearer understanding on how decisions on the new car side Mm -hmm. drive behavior at the used car side, and, and frankly, behavior at the used car side driving issues or decisions on the new car side. We were invited numerous times to look at programs on the new car side to see how Get our opinion on if they did this, this, and that, how would that impact the market on the use side? Okay. Uh, so it was really like getting a seat at the table, if you will, to talk new and use together. Right. And it may not change anything, but at least they're going into making those decisions with their eyes wide open, fully knowledgeable about the impact.
2: Excellent. Exactly. Now, here you are, in this is. 30, 40 years later, and now I see you doing a presentation of Remarketing 101 at the Auction Academy with these new generation auction people. And apparently it all still applies. It all still helps. So now you're getting more demand for this type of presentation. Tell me about that.
3: Well, it was, you know, the way we sell today is probably different than what the way I sold 10 years ago. Although we sold remotely, we sold upstream. But a lot of the auctions have gone fully, remote mm-hmm. um, or fully upstream. And that's great. Evolving is a good thing. Growing is, is a good thing. Change is good as long as it's, it's accepted by, by everybody. But this was an opportunity to share some of our experiences and our learnings over the years. And those learnings and experiences were you know, kind of behind the scenes mm-hmm. where residual value management, why do you do it? Well, it doesn't matter how you're going to sell the vehicles. You still need to make sure that you're getting the most money for the vehicles. And here's some of the learnings that we had. Moving, tracking 60,000 to 100,000, 120,000 cars a month. How did you do that? Now, <laughs> do I ever see that those types of volumes coming back? I don't. Okay. Right. But whether it's, it's 100 vehicles, 1,000 vehicles, or 10,000 vehicles, you still got to be able to track them. You still have to be able to price them. How do you price them? What do you use to make sure that you're competitive in the marketplace as far as pricing goes so that you're a good seller, but you're still watching and doing the things that you're supposed to do to maximize resale values? Yeah, Uh, for sure. The repairs. How do you repair the vehicles? We looked at new technologies. We were doing a lot of repairs before PDR even was accepted. Well, once PDR was accepted... We transitioned out of body and paint to PDR, doing the majority of our repairs that way. So we really wanted to let these folks know you know, the, some of the things that we've learned, but to really be open to change yeah. and help share with them some of the the learnings so that they didn't necessarily have to relearn it themselves. Yes.
2: And I got to ask you, being in the business as long as you have, seeing everything that you have... You obviously are open to change because you've been in the business for so long. How have you been able to to do that? Because some people are real stubborn and stuff like that. We all have that. You know, a lot of us have that issue.
3: I like to embrace change. It, it needs to make sense. I'm not necessarily one to, to just, hey, let's just go do that. Yeah. Let's. I want to make sure that the concept and the success rate is going to be pretty high. Okay. Mm-hmm. We can learn through success as well as we can through failure, yes, but I'd, I'd much rather try to learn through the success side. For okay? sure, that's great. But sure, we, we always do a lot of analytical work, you know, do the analysis to make sure that, frankly, is it something that the customer wants? The remote bidding, for example, in, in the late 90s, early 2000s, was that something that the dealers would embrace? Was it something that the industry was going to embrace? Right. So, we did our homework to make sure that it was going to work. And lo and behold, we introduced it at uh, some of our close sales. Mm-hmm. The dealers, a lot of the dealers liked it. Some of the dealers didn't. Um, sure. The industry started to like it and then it caught on. And where would we be today without remote bidding? Oh, you're right.
2: And where would dealers be in this era of? Low inventory. I mean, think about the money they save in terms of flying auctions. And then also, I always think of I talk to dealers discovering an auction you probably would have never went to because it's not close enough and it's not on your radar. And now you can test different auctions through you know online.
3: Exactly. You can get on and, and you don't even have to buy a car. You can just watch. Okay. Yeah. You can look at the inventory. Is that something that I need? So there, it gives you as a buyer so many different opportunities. Mm-hmm. to get involved, to stay involved, and really to watch the market.
2: Yeah, that's what I was thinking too, just to see. Because sometimes we always get hung up and like, boy, this seems expensive. And we know that there are different markets that are going to be more than others. But just in generally speaking, like you said, when you go to another market, you think, oh, you're paying too much out of this. And then you see, yeah, no, I guess that is the market, you know?
3: It is. You know, and frankly, we we measured that. We tracked it. We tried to equalize it, but you can never do it fully, okay? Right. So we use technology to help move vehicles into the right markets. Mm-hmm. Uh, we use technology to provide dealers or provide the auctions with dealer information on who's buying what types of vehicles. Mm-hmm. So if we had a lot of th- those types of vehicles sitting in a market, here auction, here's a list of the dealers. Go contact them. Get them online, even if they can't come in get them online and get them buying that way. So we tried to leverage the technology and the knowledge that we had to help drive those types of decisions and, and help drive the market.
2: This is interesting because like you said, we talk in general about technology and how it's changed, especially in the time you've been in the market. But for you, what is the idea? What if you had the data 30 years ago on stuff that we have
3: now? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd like to believe that we did a pretty good job Yes. Uh, back then, yes. with uh, with what we had, I think if we had the abilities today, back then, I'm not sure what we could have done. Okay, I was going
2: to say with sixty to eighty thousand cars a month, that, that would have been pretty helpful. I would think, you know. Yes, it would have. <laughs> it, it really would have. The other question I have, um, in terms of as you've been doing this presentation, you did auction cam, you've done IERA. What are some of the questions? Are there the younger people who are, who are in these sessions? What are the questions or things they're asking or what do they find interesting? What's the feedback you're getting from them?
3: I've been getting very positive feedback. I bet. You know, the, yeah. the first thing, comment I hear is, thank you for the willingness to share. Yes. Uh, some of these were you know, comments on uh, some of the things that we've learned here. You saved me from the, I didn't think about it this way. Okay. I didn't think about it how you presented it, but that makes a lot of sense, okay? I was looking at it one way and you brought a different light to it. It kind of changes my thought process a little bit. Nice. Had some of those. And when I'm looking out at the audience, the age of the attendees is, they could be my kids, right? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Right. And a lot of them weren't even born or were infants when we were doing a lot of this. Just being able to kind of tell the story so that you don't have to go out and relearn and trip and fall. That was some of the comments that, that were made, too, is that, you know, you helped share with us some things, some of the, the roadblocks, some of the things that I'll be a little more open to listening to or be cautious around as I go forward.
2: You know, that's great. You know, you hear this a lot of leadership books now or see it a lot of leadership books. The difference between the closed fist and the open hand. Like I think about growing up, we didn't have a lot. And so you worry about stuff, but really the more you share, the more you open up, it's so good. I think about there's like, even sports, like football coaches, you think they're all like, Super competitive, they are, but my friend was a football coach in high school, and they they all share information. They all share tips, and I see this a little bit in our industry, and when you do something like that with your experience, and people, everybody benefits from that, I think.
3: They really do, and I will tell you, we had a great team. We had uh, the GM Remarketing Organization. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, uh, we were partnered with the GMAC Remarketing. Mm -hmm. We went to market together. And then uh, that split happened and uh, we had the GM financial remarketing team going. We went to market together with them. It was a great effort on part of the team to make this happen. And if you think about all the moving parts, everybody had to play their role and play their position to uh, make this thing as seamless as possible. And we weren't perfect, but I really think we did a... Uh, a very credible job. When uh, you know, we were selling somewhere between seven hundred thousand and, you know, a million two, million four vehicles, sixty three physical auctions, the upstream auctions, doing <laughs> all the types of repairs and reconditioning and all the different promotions and, and all those types of things. There was a lot of moving parts to keep track of. And a lot
2: of frequent flyer miles, I bet.
3: Uh, yeah, we, we spent a lot of time in, uh, in the air and the hotels. You know what I, you made my point, Dan is
2: throughout this whole conversation uh, here, we and team over and over again with you.
3: I couldn't have done it by myself without a doubt. It was the team. It was a team effort all the way from, you know, day one. And that was the only way we were able to accomplish what we did. So now going forward in terms of this part of
2: it the the marketing 101 understand how you've gotten now that you've done this presentation a few times you're getting some interest and in, and in people wanting more of this
3: yeah and I'm sharing the uh the presentation with them and if they want to do a zoom call they want to do something in person we'll figure out a way to go about and do that Excellent.
2: And last thing, though, uh, just to bring us up to the present tense, now you, again, you're Senior Vice President of Business Development for CT Services. What are you doing there? What What's your...
3: I've actually been with uh, CT uh, six years, six and a half oh, years. really? Yeah. But yesterday, okay.
2: you must be on there. <laughs>
3: it, exactly. It just the time has flown. So I've been doing business development with them, uh, looking at new products that we can bring on board, looking for new customers, for the existing products or for new products. So, what what
2: type of products, for
3: example? Well, we do vehicle inspections. We do transportation uh, Mm -hmm. from one car to full loads, runners and Mm -hmm. non-runners. We do title management. We have a warehouse in uh, Southfield, Michigan, where we've got a million plus titles that get handled on an annual basis. We store second sets of keys. For customers, we do yard management. We recently uh, partnered with a company called Claim Genius, Uh where we're um, introducing AI into the inspection process. Wow. And uh, it's really designed more for the remote type of inspection, where it's not fiscally responsible to put somebody in a car and drive them for two hours to go Mm -hmm. inspect a vehicle and then bring them back to use a combination of the AI software and capabilities along with a seasoned inspector right, to generate a, a final CR. So we're looking at some of those types of things. We've introduced some some new programs in the brokerage side where uh, we're moving some vehicles that we typically wouldn't have moved in the past. So, so far, so good.
2: Boy, I'll tell you what, this is great. And Dan, you know, you and I have seen each other and our publisher, Colleen, we've seen each other at the booths at the exhibit halls the years. Always enjoy talking to you. It's always an education. And again, your generosity in terms of spending time with us here, but always people in the industry, it's been a benefit to everyone. So I do appreciate you spending time with us today.
3: Well, Jeff, thank you for the invite. Thanks for the time and uh, sincerely appreciate it and hope I see you at AAA in Chicago.
2: Okay, cool. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, again, uh, this is Dan Kennedy, longtime GM guy, remarketing uh, pioneer, really. And now with CT Services, we thank you for his time. Again, my name is Jeffrey Bellant. We're Used Car News. And again, thank you for joining the Used Car News podcast. (laughs)
1: For the first time in its 88-year history, the United Auto Workers, or UAW, has initiated targeted strikes simultaneously against Detroit's major automakers, including Stellantis, GM, and Ford. Approximately 13,000 union workers have gone on strike at key plants in three states. These plants produce highly profitable vehicles for the automakers. Negotiations intensified before the contract expiration, with the automakers raising wage proposals. General Motors CEO praised their offer, which includes a 20% wage increase over the contract's duration. However, the UAW found Ford's counterproposal insufficient, leading to this historic strike aimed at achieving economic justice, as stated by UAW President Sean Fain. In August 2023, the average price for the new vehicles in the U.S. remained stable, with a marginal increase of $42 compared to the previous year, totaling $48,451. Yearly, prices decreased by 2.4%, or $1,212, marking the largest drop in a decade. Luxury vehicle prices fell by 3.3% year-over-year, driven by Tesla's aggressive price cuts, leading to a 19.5% drop in Tesla's average transaction prices. Non-luxury vehicle prices increased by 0.7%. EV prices led by Tesla fell to 53,376 in August. Dealers face oversupply challenges and incentives reached 4.9% of ATP in August. The luxury car segment had the highest incentives at 10.1%, while electric vehicles had 8.1%. Santander Consumer USA Inc. has been selected as the primary loan servicer for Lending Club's auto refinance portfolio. Lending Club Bank, a leading digital marketplace bank in the U.S., offers an auto refinance program covering a vast majority of the population and helping borrowers save an average of $2,300 over the life of their loans. Santander Consumers' expertise in auto loan servicing aligns with Lending Club's commitment to using financial technology to assist customers in achieving their financial goals. This partnership aims to provide a seamless and enhanced experience for Lending Club's auto customers nationwide, including the transition of existing portfolios to Santander Consumer. Thanks for listening to Used Car News Podcast. Each month, we'll bring you fast and reliable news that car dealers can rely on for this evolving industry. For a free subscription of Used Car News, please go to usedcarnews.com. This podcast is a production of BG Ad Group. Make sure to share us on social media and like and follow wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Want to save up to 80% on steep new tire prices? Premium used tires, like used cars, are a safe and affordable option when purchased from reputable sellers like Champ Tires. With more than 40,000 tires in stock, all you need to do is go to champtires.com to find the exact size, brand, and model, and tread depth you need. Every tire is inspected and air tested, and shipping is free. This savings tip works when you need to replace one, two, or even all four four tires shop at champtires.com today We get it. You want to acquire the cars consumers want. You want top dollar for every one of those sales. Carfax can help with that. Only Carfax has the most accident info, damage info, and service info. Critical information you need to acquire the right cars. The info you need to provide transparency and build trust with your customers. No one has as much accident, damage, and service info as Carfax. Go to CarfaxOnline.com
3: to make sure you have access to the most info out there.